0: Today's episode is fear. fear. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest Movie Microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I am your gracious host. Alongside me, the magnetic, hyperconductive, digital, analog, Edison bulb-tucking, sweet-ass, running around backwards, Justin out What's going on, sir? How are you? I'm
1: good. I just realized I never get to describe you. You know, you always give me those lovely words, well, I've those got, bits of praise. I've only
0: got a few jobs, and that's one of them.
1: Let me throw a couple at you here. Uh, Thrumming? Is that a... Uh, sweet that's all i got those two what do you think (laughs) good nailed it so how how are things in your uh energetic life my neck of the woods um you know this week's rolling nick we're we're doing this on a thursday night it's a little atypical for us we're getting a couple in while you're on the road there and you are a traveling man for a few weeks right i mean it's it's crazy yeah what if any of our listeners have like a map and then they just put you know push a little pin into it to
0: To track your travels, that would require effort. So, no. (laughs) Lots of pins in Florida. Yeah, hopefully not much longer. My next. This will be my last Florida adventure for quite some time. I hope I've got Baltimore in my future. Yeah, I think that's it. Tennessee, Atlanta, Baltimore. Hopefully for a while. Any overseas trips planned? Where'd you? My head? next overseas trip will be to, to the Dominican Republic, and that'll be maybe in November.
1: I'm coming. I don't understand why you go there. There's no reason. How we have a
0: factory there? Oh, I'm gonna scout a baseball player. That's something else I like to do. <laughs> you know, how's it going with you? That's yeah, fine, man. Just you know, tell you what, it is hard to dodge COVID down here. Yeah, we had
1: to go get we had to go get my kids tested. Because they were exhibiting, you know, some signs, but they were okay. No COVID. No COVID. So they were watching Pit My Ride or <laughs> I've have, I have been watching a couple things, man. What have you what have you been watching? Like what, what's your what's your what's your pleasure right now? What what's keeping you happy? Sphere. Fear. Might be the worst one we've done. Not even. I'm just gonna get that. Not even way. close. Not even. What the, do you mean? Not even. Not even the worst Barry Levinson we've done. <laughs> this is worse than the Bay. There's no way. My There's no way. <laughs> we'll fight it out. This seems like a run up to the Bay, and he finally didn't get it right when he made the Bay.
0: Well, you know? I think the truth of the matter is we've discovered the hard way is that Levinson is great at Baltimore centric family dramas and friendship mm-hmm. stories. Yeah, when you take know- the man out of Baltimore and he starts trying to do sci fi. Retro uh Yeah, he, um,
1: I, I, I'd say hit and miss for Barry Levinson. Is that accurate? Yeah, accurate for him. A lot of miss, a lot of miss, yeah. you know? But it ain't his worst movie. Neither is The Bay. Swinging wildly at the plate. What's the worst? Toys. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember it too much. I mean, I imagine I'd have more fun watching toys than this. I walked out of that theater
0: so hard i've only walked out of a few movies that's one of them you walked out of toys so i walked out of toys walked out of barbed wire and schindler's list those three yeah, yeah i walked out because yeah. i was going to get more popcorn because i was going nuts <laughs> what was the second one
1: barbed yeah. wire the pamela anderson yeah. movie with jack with jack noseworthy how could you how could you walk out on noseworthy are you serious i don't know he was in it i think he plays her his her blind brother or something <laughs> i think that's right i think he does it's great
0: who was he Jack dating though at the time? That's what's important.
1: Jack Nosworthy. Um, I'm not sure who. The only thing I know about his his personal life is he's a he's a he's a gay man. I didn't know that. That's all I know. And uh, I just remember him. He was in a show early, like kind of a you know buzzy MTV show called Dead at Seventeen. Yeah, that's when I first that's when I first peeped old Jack Noseworthy. And then he was kind of good in a lot of like small roles. After that, like Breakdown for example. And what else? There's been a couple other ones. I, I had I'd never seen barbed wire. Smart man. But, you know, Jack knows where the, he's going to be still out there. wonder how his COVID's been. <laughs> you know, you have to think. You hope he kind of buckled under, you know, and stayed hidden. He always had long hair. He kept those long that, that long
0: hair for a long time. He's uh, Killers of the Flower Moon or Killing of the Flower Moon. He's one of the leads. <laughs> oh, did he get cast in that? Yeah, they, they booted Leo and said, get, let's get a real man in here. For the for a while I thought MC Ganey was Jack Noseworthy. Because they were in a couple of movies together and, and the credits came up and I just uh, look at MC Ganey, I think Noseworthy.
1: I know. He's got a formidable nose. He's got quite a pronounced nose, MC Ganey. You've, and you know, he's hanging. Oh he I mean, we don't talk enough serve, about his dick. He's serving it up <laughs> and sideways. Yeah. That was a brave choice. Brave choice. So wait a bit. <laughs> My uh, Siri on my computer just interrupted to say, serving it up sideways, I didn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> so I sh- I screamed MC Ganey's dick. <laughs> MC Ganey, man, that is a guy who's never not good. He's always good.
0: Um, although, even on the big screen, you know, he was not
1: afraid to blast it. I will say. I learned today that I told I called you because this is hot off the presses. Neil McDonough, one of our faves, uh, who is who is last seen in my for me um, and me, on Yellowstone, surviving as one of bad, as one of the bad guys in a very disappointing ending. I'd say to his character, kind of flavorless. But you know, in a lot of shows like Justified, he always plays kind of a baddie. Uh, he revealed in this interview that he would get fired or dropped from stuff because he refuses to uh, have do sex scenes or even kiss an actress um, because he's so committed to his wife. And uh, I didn't know that about him. Very, uh, very God fearing man. Old Neil, Neil McDonough had no idea. It's a very personal interview. I saw with him. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for all those actors and actresses. Never got to kiss them lips. He should spell his name know? with a K. Why? What? Cause he's so devout. I mean this is the sh- this is why our show is rocking into the top of the charts people come here to go who's this guy and who cares about this guy we're going to talk about his um, devotion to his wife you know he said there's no no one more beautiful you know to him than his wife I, I begged a different Neil McDonald I thought
0: it was weird in the interview he's uh saying I'm very devout I refuse to kiss anybody on screen but I shred that puss man when I'm at home I shred it i'm like raw dog i am i'm am like a cat after a canary in that thing well i
1: don't know if you went there. i, I only could it's like a bucking bronco like a like a rodeo horse or, or whatever the rodeo a bull yeah i can only listen to that interview for about three minutes before i drop kick my tv yeah. i do not want to see it anymore i you know I, sometimes i question my choices why was i watching that on youtube i feel like that was probably a waste of time uh, to know that fact. But I thought I'd spill
0: it you know and what, though? Uh, say it too. It, it shows you, though, because he's a, he's still a delight. A delight Let's on the screen. On screen. He's so, uh, There's something about him. And actually, they paired him in Terry Serpico, which was ingenious. Two guys mm-hmm. that are really good uh, yeah, at that yeah. kind of role in that show. Terry Serpico looking like Anthony Michael Hall yep, at the time. Yep, yep, yep. Here's the thing
1: about this. This was I got this as a piece of a podcast that I, I sometimes listen to a little bit. I, I kind of watch clips from it. It's that, it's that guy played Lex Luthor on the superman show gene hackman no michael Sumner.
0: rosenberg rosenbaum
1: rosenberg rosenbaum yeah he gets a lot of guests on his podcast Nick, don't ever oh. don't ever question how i'm using my time again <laughs> yeah that was like an early morning coffee thing for me i was just look, i was skipping around i was looking for poker clips to watch so you know i was
0: really really using my killing time killing well. it yeah neil McDonough's never seen a poker clip beautiful blue oh. eyes Nice square head. Use a six stick to great success in Minority Report. So, YouTube, like, will push based on what you watch, it'll push things at you, right? So,
1: I guess it pushes poker clips at me, podcast clips uh, at me, and then clips of giraffes farting. Also, those are the three main, that's my top three. What about you?
0: Just people brushing uh, old bones with uh, with paintbrushes until the dust comes off. That's really my jam. <laughs> blowing Blowing on the you- bone until the dust settles, you know? Well, you probably got a lot of sports clips and baseball clips on. Your no, no, not, not, not right? at
1: all. They're pushing that shit at you. There's no way. Just upskirts
0: and bones for me. It's <laughs> the movie microscope. It's a show in which we zoom in. We watch a film through castrated streaming eyes and sandblasted stomachs and weary abdomens, and we gesticulate very hard at each other until, well, something flourishes where it doesn't. And watch a film through a set of completely bizonka eyes. Just tame up the stroke until we get there. Watch a film, see what makes a break, share with the likes of the listener. So if we were watching Moon Over Parador, we wouldn't talk about the scene where Dick Dreyfus asked Raul Julia how to do M. Bison's finishing move on Sonia Braga. <laughs> Talk about the littlest moments, and there are a oh, dick load in today's film.
1: Sphere. I never watched Moon Over Parador. I know it's hard to you believe. You and the majority of Earth. That's Dreyfus and Beachwear. That's that's, right? that's one of those It's
0: Mazursky stuff.
1: Mizerski in this, huh? Mizerski's still kicking it, right? Like he's still out. He was in. Uh, he was in Into the Night. He was one of the terrorists in that movie. Into the Night. Uh, yeah, yeah. The John Landis yeah. movie, or yep. wait, Jeff Goldblum Has, and um, D.D.
0: Pfeiffer not dd Dee Dee. oh the okay the, her lesser known sister
1: that's a fun movie kind of you don't like I that love movie, to the night. i love it i remember it yeah. you do do you remember the movie that was very similar to that movie starring charles rocket there's a movie that has the same kind of feel to that movie that is a rare starring role for charles rocket i'll leave you i'll let you bring up his his suicide yeah, he took himself out that's yeah, what you, he did i always liked charles rocket and i always thought he was kind of good in stuff and Anyway, that's a movie I, I just kind of remember, because I always connect those two. I don't know what it's called. Well, Into the Night was um, a bomb. I can only imagine the Charles Rocket film was a huger bomb. Well, I mean, one of the things, that you, how you know it's a bomb is because Charles Rocket's the lead, right? I mean, try, I'm going to look it up. How do you have, you have that name talking. and not be a megastar? It's a great name. I'm going to zoom in real quick. Not his actual
0: name. I don't know if you... His name is Ed Rocket. <laughs> I just remember that there was a mm. guy named Milt... Milt was like the henchman of the the villain of the movie. And, Milt will cut your balls off. I remember that line from the movie. Into the night? And this being Milt.
1: I remember that as well. Who else is, who else is in that? Is, was Rami in it too? Yeah, no, there was a whole group of Rammy. directors.
0: Is, Ram, is it too early for Rami to be in it? Sam Ramey? Sam, Rame? Sam Ramey wasn't in it. I think it meant Ramus. No, it was like Mazursky and... Uh, and Landis was in yeah. it. He put himself in it as a one of the other show. assholes. Maybe Dante. From Clerks? Don't. Down Twisted. Does that sound
1: right? It's got to be
0: down-twisted.
1: i Pion. And my boy. Harry Lowell. That's um, Richard Gears Bay, right? Courtney Cox? Early Courtney Cox? That must be it. Uh, when a level-headed waitress decides to help her shady friend against her better judgment, she becomes a target of a deadly international gang of thieves. Or after a priceless, priceless relic. A bumbling stranger helps her, I guess, played by Charles Rocket. I thought he shot himself. Worse. Way worse. Yeah, you looked that up, huh? I was looking up his movie.
0: Yeah, so what's your relationship with Barry Levinson's sphere? (laughs) You know, I've always avoided this movie, I
1: think. I don't think I've seen it. I probably have seen part of it on TV, but this movie had quite a stink about it when it came out in theaters, if I remember correctly. I I know it was a bomb, so I think I just never ventured out to see it. I'm sure you were there opening night. I absolutely was. This is a movie that kind of should, you know, underwater sci-fi horror should hit
0: a lot of your buttons well it it came out too late like this this book was a big one for me it was i think it i mean i haven't read it since i was in high school but it was my favorite michael crichton
1: book was it really yeah i I mean i read jurassic and i read andromeda strain but i think and then i also read rising sun which is a movie he or a book he wrote right i think those are the three i've
0: read by him So I never read. I've read, I've read nearly everything, and I remember that that book was monstrous. But I think the abyss took a lot of its thunder, and uh, the a lot of the ideas were in it were were stolen, I think, from other you know in later things. But they took too long. They took a decade and a half, I think, to get that movie made. It was it was one of those hot properties for a long time, and then in the wake of Jurassic Park, they're like, well, let's fuck it up real quick yeah i still found stuff to like about it then because you're right it's underwater there's a cosmic element to it theoretically but um and it features you know one of our favorite action heroes dustin hoffman dusty
1: no it's interesting because this movie i'd say almost every reveal like everything that they attempt to explain is it just makes the movie worse which is rare i think you know sometimes like that's where you get your energy from some of the reveals it propels the movie forward you know and, and you know a lot of times reveals do disappoint it's rare every reveal disappoints.
0: I, it's not it's it's not easy to do I, I i think it's it's a virtue of this film is that it really completely misses every landing spot and not only that not only do they miss what was so great about it is they it's ludicrous and oh it's uh, okay. you're thinking these were grown people making these decisions and still doing it and you got dustin hoffman who is delivering
1: a performance that is just like his character on the page must seem I don't know how to describe it. He's kind a of a miracle. <laughs> he is like an, a, an action hero. Right. But Dustin Hoffman, he like took that and just even underplayed everything, you know, like he, and then at, at certain points he screams in this,
0: which is the best it's part. Absolutely. Of the, film. the best part of the film worth seeing for Dustin Hoffman's low energy screams. <laughs> he panics uh, in the ocean,
1: uh, like anybody would in that situation, but he panics hilariously. Yeah. and it's funny. There's this um, one
0: moment in the film where I'm watching, and I'm just imagining what Oscar winner, Hollywood legend Dustin Hoffman. He's he's in a, a probably a very cold water tank on a set, pretending there are snakes attacking him, climbing on pieces of metal to try to get out of the water. And there's nothing. I mean, it's the most uninspired set piece. And and this guy, he's he's got to he's got to be thinking about. I don't care how bad I need this money.
1: He hit his head. And that scene you're talking about, he hit his head for real underwater. And they kept it in. I read that piece of trivia. He really knocked it on like a, on a table. And he was, cause he's going for that syringe or whatever on the member, yeah. like the doing something down there. But anyway, we'll back up. Well, this movie kicks the off. part oh, of his body. <laughs> his head. Yeah. Yes. He does have quite a dog. in he, uh, this movie. Okay. Well, let's even before that. Who's in this? Film? Well,
0: you've got a, a biochemist mention- played by Sharon Stone. You have a mathematician Mm -hmm. played by Samuel L. Jackson. You have an astrophysicist played by Liev Schreiber. You have a psychologist played by Dustin Hoffman. And then you have the support team led by Peter Coyote with little Queen Latifah action up inside. Yeah, and Marga Gomez. And then Huey Lewis in a non-pissing acting role. Yeah, this would be a good bar trivia question.
1: What movie kicks off with Huey Lewis piloting a helicopter? Yeah, You know, something like
0: that. Like, uh, what film features... Hollywood elite, Dustin Hoffman and Huey Lewis. <laughs> Huey
1: Lewis, man, his acting career, that is like, a, that should be like, someone should write a book, a little Forrest Gumpish, his acting career, work with, somehow work with Robert Altman. Yeah. Barry Levinson, um, he worked with, in duets against, he, he, he was, he played Paucho's dad in duets, yeah. a stand-in
0: for her real dad who directed that film, right, I think in a way. I love the scene, the, the kind of candid scene where Dustin Hoffman gets the paper and he's reading it, and, he, and uh, Huey's like, how much was it? He goes, 40 cents. He goes, well, that's more than I pay my, the news. I mean, Huey Lewis,
1: in and out, right? He flies in there and leaves. He, he's not in the movie. He doesn't get killed. He doesn't even get a – he just he, – he, he scoots on out of there. But they sent him he's to helicopter mean, school for five weeks. Huey Lewis, speaking of someone with a big head. But speaking of someone whose hair has never changed – Kind of like, remember everybody thought he was in Die Hard for a long time. The guy that one of the terrorists looks like Huey he Lewis. He does look a little bit, except uh, yeah, nowhere near as much charisma. I wonder Huey, I wonder what he's doing these days. I know he, he's having trouble. I think throat, he had some kind of problem issues. with issues. Throat, yeah. can't sing that well or can't sing anymore. I don't what what's going on with Huey. Man, he did have the voice of an angel too. <laughs> yeah, I mean they kept it spinning for a long time. I had a few Huey Lewis in the news cassettes. Big fan in the day. of
0: sports or four. I probably had both. What was before sports? I know that was their big I one. I can't help. But Do You Believe in yeah. Love was on the previous album. I remember that. That was my first initiation to them. And I love that song. And that was before sports yeah. and before four.
1: And there was something else that was before sports as well that I liked. We'll have to go through them all. Anyway, so, so we get, you name the cast. And this movie kicks off with this flight. And Dusty Hoffman is asleep in the helicopter. He's <laughs> napping. On the way to this um, this place, that he doesn't know why he's he's headed there. This place uh, in the ocean doesn't know where why he's been called to do this. He thinks there's been a crash. Mm-hmm. When he gets there, Peter Coyote kind of reveals to him what? Well, there's a damn U- there's a damn UFO under
0: the well. Water. They spent a lot of a, a, an unfair amount of time with uh, Dustin Hoffman talking about how he's late for this to, to talk to the survivors of this crash because he's usually called upon when there's a crash to mm-hmm. be a, you know, to counsel these people and they really right. try to string the audience along the, 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 same audience that bought a ticket to sphere at the movie about spaceship. <laughs> well, I mean,
1: they do a little bait and switch at the beginning. So he meets his team and, you know, come to find out he, the reason that they have assembled this team, this ragtag crew, including Sharon Stone, who used to go to therapy with, Dusty, he wrote a paper on what to do when you know an alien comes to Earth, and he named his crew like he called a shot, right? He just kind of, and then he reveals later because everybody's confused, like why are they all there? He says, "I just kind of filled in the blank with names. I was, I was spitballing, yeah, he did, like alien craft, yeah, Mad Libs." Yeah, and so they're all there, which leads to the majority of the team's death. <laughs> well, that's not true. It leads the majority of the people that were there in the first place that, then, then, and then also a couple of other, other characters.
0: One, I don't want to see die. And he does. Yeah, uh, And it's funny because Hoffman's character from the absolute beginning of this film is a complete loser. He just sucks. You still he's, love him though. That's how he's good he neurotic. Is. He's useless. He's, he's just a big nebbish.
1: He is. And he, and he's jealous of Sam Jackson. Who's got a bigger brain than he does. And, but the thing is when it comes down to it, he got some hero moments in him. I'll leave that the other characters really don't have. I'm going to see what Sharon Stone was up to when she made this movie. She was coming off of the remake of Diabolique. It's a Jeremiah Chechik film. Guy who, It's the same guy who did the Avengers. Yeah. And then he then she went to um, the Mighty and then she went to Gloria, which is a remake of Gloria. Right. And then so. she said, let me cut my hair and, and really work it weird. She does have short hair in this. Good zoom in. But you know who has the most beautiful hair in this? Uh, other than Peter Coyote? You nailed it. Peter Coyote's got some lovely hair in this. He's seen it all. You know, Peter Coyote's seen it all. He's playing the same character from E.T.
0: in this. Seen it all. Yeah, he, except he, for one, I, 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 I cannot believe his character doesn't turn out to have some sort of ulterior motive to destroy the ship. or to, You know, he's actually, he's kind of a steadying influence on this crew. Granted, he makes some hard decisions, but he's not nefarious. Mm-hmm. He's actually a pro
1: he is and I, I think there's some confusion in the movie there's stuff that's cut out but sharon stone um there's a little bit of peter coyote doesn't understand why dusty hoffman brings her along because she's a, she's had some drug issues and she in the past and an attempted at suicide and, and attempted suicide so peter coyote is frowning upon that sharon stone doesn't like that her character and and so there's conflict there but later she doesn't trust him for some reason and we don't really
0: know why they don't really go into it and i don't remember from the they book i probably got, probably got cut out yeah. This is a very weird performance for her. She's almost hard to watch sometimes. I think she's a little too fragile. Very earnest. A little too fragile.
1: She's very earnest. I think she really tries hard in this because she's working probably psyching herself out a little bit working with uh, a legend like old Dustin Hoffman who is completely phoning it in here. So while she's doing like overworking and
0: overthinking, he is <laughs> doing almost nothing. But lovel- lovely um, Liev Schreiber is doing his all. And Sam Jackson is useless for a good portion of this film, but has moments of brightness in it. Yeah, he's got some. Um, he does some good, charismatic
1: stuff at the beginning, and then he has to he has to play possessed kind of later on, uh, and yeah. it sucks.
0: One of my bit. favorite egg was,
1: eating scenes in film, though. And the scene that and that scene super designed to look like Alien, by the way. I mean, it must that must have been the. Levinson's attention they're like, there well, let's
0: let's do alien but instead of a chest burst let's have a nice plate of eggs instead of a chest burst let's do a Heimlich
1: maneuver that's what that's what went to the Heimlich but The fighting and then is, the reveal here's the, here's the for another example the reveal for that whole setup and the reveal to the Heimlich maneuver is all is just
0: such a weird letdown they're put into the submersible and there's this little scene where they they all have helium voice which is kind of fun
1: they're de- 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 decompressing, right, from the trip down there to the alien ship. They have they have, they have helium voice and helium voice, and some of this movie is improvised, believe it or not, which is a weird like the uh, thing like I the learned from the IMDb <laughs> I like it.
0: I like it I like it because uh, it's it's cute, it's funny. Although it's unrealistic that one of them would have to explain why your voice changes with helium, because that's sort of a layperson's. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that. And then Sam Jackson, I was obviously embarrassed. Um, in that scene, because he only has one little line of dialogue. It's the best line of dialogue, but it seems like he felt like he was embarrassed by it. There's a funny part, though, when they're going down, and there's all these sounds, and Kyrie drops a huge huge zoom on them. He said, those noises you're hearing are the pressure... Is the pressure attacking the integrity of the sub? There's a scene... I thought that was interesting. There's a scene where... Oh, will
1: leave his character. This stuff's happening. And he says, "I'm." he's like, I'm loose. I'm loose. And then something hits the sub or some loud bang. goes. I'm tight. Te- yeah. There's I'm a,
0: there's a little remember. bit of innuendo. Okay, okay. funny okay. innuendo. If you listen to it, there's a scene where Coyote says, this will take us from a wet to a dry environment. Been there, baby. Well, let's talk a little bit about the spaceship
1: that they're all investigating there. This is huge. There's the spaceship they realize from the coral surrounding it. <clears throat> and it's, I guess it hadn't been discovered before, but it seems like it's been there for three hundred years, right? That's yeah. the that's the confounding question: is how they never come across this before. But it, it seems to it have just showed up. But the coral around it and all that stuff—it seems to indicate it's been there for three hundred years. I don't know. I'm sort of picking up on what they're what they're saying. But they get the crew, they're going to go knock on the spaceship's door, try to enter it. That's the big plan. And they're all kind of freaking out because they don't really have the backgrounds for this. And they're kind of mad
0: at Dustin Hoffman who kind of conjured up the team. There's a little excitement. Leo is very there's just this fun little con- kind of competition between him and Sam Jackson. They're they're about who got their first doctorate earlier and there's a they they want to be the one who gets the the big reveal, the big claim to fame on on discovering what this is, why this is. So there is a little bit of a sense of discovery there. And it's funny because there's a scene where they are kind of going off about their education and how young and pre- precocious they were. And Sam Jackson's yeah. character and reveals he went through puberty at age 18, which is rough. One thing that's
1: interesting is like, so we always talk about basic instinct. Now stone was really good in that and how Michael Douglas felt pressure to, to like look good and like kind of be a man, like to be like her equal and to, he got work done Dustin Hoffman didn't have that same worry for this. Like one of his lines early on is they they're in those those big like you know underwater astronaut suits, I don't know what they call them, diving suits or whatever. And he wonders if he can pee in it. (laughs) Can I can I pee in this? And you know, I wouldn't necessarily call him like a strapping hero in this at any point. His big scene where he actually does something is he's he's figuring out a code. You know, that has been um, confounding them for a while. But he doesn't, does he have any other, he doesn't have any kind of hero moments in this. Like, I'd say zero almost. You're forgetting about the scene where
0: he's swimming in super cold water, trying to get from one place to another. Remember that? And then he drops something important and has to go down to the bottom of the sea to get it.
1: He he, Does he drop his rebreather? I'm so tired of hearing about rebreathers and phones. Do you get tired of it? Always a rebreather. Why do they put it in?
0: Uh, So they, they go into this ship, right? And first of all, this is a very expensive movie. And there are some rather decent effects in it. And it has production design. But this amazing ship that they're talking about, it's never once inspiring or interesting. When they're circling it, there's this giant kind of dorsal fin or whatever or this, you know, giant thing. The way that they film it, uninspired. Then they go inside and it looks like a tiny set and they're using dialogue to illustrate how big and fast it is, but they never really showcase that.
1: So it's like grainy on the outside. And when they're inside, yeah, it looks very utilitarian, I guess. I don't know how to describe it. Like it looks it looks like, an, you know, they kind of are going for, you know, a typical, you know, steel walkway alien spaceship. But the thing is, as soon as they get in there, it's kind of not what they expect. It looks a little too familiar. You know, it's dark and creepy, but it, it even when they're trying to get in, they're scraping paint. And they're like, this thing's supposed to be indestructible, and they're scra- scraping paint off of it. That's kind of a weird. Um, but they go in, and they soon realize that this isn't a, a, an alien air, uh, spaceship. This is like a an Earth craft from the future. And how do they how do they determine or, that? What what things do they see that help them determine that? They both have they they split up. Of course, they do, and they have separate realizations. One of them, one group finds the word trash uh, on a trash in English bin and or Spanish. something. Yep. Uh, Sharon Stone and Dustin Hoffman find a dead person in like a pilot chair and he's holding, holding some almonds, holding some, uh, uh
0: what is that called? What's the, is it blue? like something emerald or whatever, but, uh, but the great almonds. thing is Sharon Stone's talking about his injuries and she is a, she has many degrees and she says he died from blunt force. trauma, trauma,
1: trammel smokehouse almonds. That's what it was. I wrote it down. Dustin Hoffman in a diving suit, by the way, I never I didn't. It's one of those things you didn't realize you needed in your life until you've seen it. Sam Jackson, by the way, on loan, this movie loaned him out to film Jackie Brown on the weekends. Can you imagine
0: like the whiplash he's going through? Can you imagine the P.A. uh, running frantically the makeup trailer? I need a child medium suit. Child medium for Dustin Hoffman.
1: Fit it with an extra large dome (laughs) for sure. Yeah, they figure out the ship's coming at them from 2043, Nick. They think. Not too far away from where, where we are at this point. And they realize that there is, the reason that the ship is there, they they do, there's some kind of CGI display that they activate.
0: Which is the that the most,
1: that's the visual centerpiece of the entire film right there. And Dustin Hoffman shakes his head at it like when it starts because Sharon Stone plays it scared, like she's nervous that the CGI display is happening. And then he kind of waves it off. But anyway, turns out the ship hit an unknown entry event which maybe fumbled itself into a black hole and ended up back on earth it doesn't really in there don't really know what happened but they do soon discover something in the ship that is alien a, a sphere a goddamn sphere
0: hmm? they call it a perfect sphere which was what they kind of hope was going to be like the headline on the newspaper when the movie came out a perfect sphere richard roper did
1: not happen yeah and so and it's just this is the shimmery ball of CGI that they're all standing in front of in awe. The team and they realize there's no reflection. It re- it's reflection reflecting everything in the room except the humans, yeah. except the people looking at it. That really shocks them. They decide that it's doing that because it has n- no interest in in them. That's what they made that jump. But anyway, man, they got a damn sphere there, Nick. What are they going to do? Well, I know,
0: I know what they're going to do. That? Walk into it one by one. But then the Why? thing is. They don't even walk into it. The way that it absorbs them is so bad. It's bad to look at, and it doesn't make sense. So the movie is very interesting because they have a scene where Sam Jackson,
1: its just, it seems like he walks into it. And then the rest of the movie, you find out through the grapevine that the other characters walked into it, too. They hide that from Well, you us, see Dustin scenes. Hoffman, actually,
0: his reflection go into it later and but no later but before all the hubbub happens with the others i mean we see dustin when he when he's kneeling there trying to help sam jackson we see him appear in the sphere and it's obvious that that's when it gets him should have been a mystery i didn't
1: i didn't see i didn't see that
0: one of the worst lines of dialogue happens in the scene where they discover the sphere though oh is it perfection is a powerful message No, it's sharon stone saying you know what a zen master would say if he saw this this ball wants to be caught I don't think that's what a Zen master would say. I don't know. I don't about think, that. First of all, a Zen master would say, why the fuck is Dustin Hoffman down here? <laughs> but it's great because they, okay, this sphere throws a monkey wrench at everything. But hell, there's a storm on the surface. Finally, in a film where people are in the deep sea, there's a storm on the surface. Finally. And Peter Coyote's like, we need to get our shit out of here. But things go bad when Sam Jackson sneaks out in the night to go on into mm-hmm. that sphere. He unloads a gigantic Zoom to uh, his, uh, his compatriots. Do you remember? what hmm. better break out your five-day deodorant pads so mm-hmm. the cool thing i, I learned did, is that there's such a thing as a five-day deodorant pad did you know that there's several sh- a couple of shots in this of
1: dustin Hoff- hoffman flossing i did not notice that and do you wonder if he is flossing as dustin hoffman does in real life or did he think about it and go i think this is how my character norman would floss Differently than Dustin Hoffman, you know, were you picking up Rain Man vibes from Dustin Hoffman in this? Yeah. Do you ever think he ever shook that role completely? I don't know if he was acting also Norman. Mm -hmm. I know. That's what I'm saying. Everything about him is underwhelming, you know, and there's at the end, Sharon Stone appears to be back in love with him, which he's done nothing to earn that throughout the movie except
0: scream. He screams at water. You know, so they're stuck down there now. You know, they the, the they got untethered. The sphere's starting to get horny. Things are getting weird. Sam Jackson's catatonic. Well, the thing is, so, yeah, there still has to be work done
1: on the outside of the ship. Look, you got an alien sphere. 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 Everybody's kind of acting weird, especially Sam Jackson, but look, the expendable people on the crew have to still do work around the ship. Absolutely. Queen Latifah's up. She's like, I gotta go outside. By the way, I gotta go outside, guys, and do something with the
0: mini-sub, which is yeah. it's cute.
1: I love I love the mini-sub. Well, yeah, on. there's
0: this thing where they have to change this thing every period of time so that it, they send up the tape or some crazy shit.
1: Yeah, so it doesn't automatically go to the surface.
0: They have to reset every twelve hours or something.
1: And Queen Latifah is going out to to do that. She encounters a group of jellyfish. She's
0: enjoying them for a good portion. She loves them.
1: She's loving on them. They're so beautiful. She says. She says it a couple times, and then she says something kind of cute. She said they're getting a little frilly because they're surrounding her. But then the jellyfish decide that they uh, want her autograph or something.
0: They want they they want want so much. They want to taste her spine. You know, they want in. Mm -hmm. And she she is killed in slow motion, weirdly. Peter Coyote could do nothing but act very disappointed. And Dustin Hoffman looks like he's reading the newspaper while she's suffering her last moments. One of the lesser experienced deaths I've ever seen.
1: And, you know, there's a scene that they talk about that they deleted where they pull her uh, body aboard back onto the ship. And then they all group pee on her to try to save her life. (laughs) And then Dustin Hoffman has to ask if it's okay for that as well. But she's done. So they, they have a little a, a recurring shot in this where they have like a morgue on the ship or a, at least a place where they put the body bags. They always return to that room as it fills up with more and more
0: yeah, bodies. Yeah, and then we get to see a, a weird, wet Queen Latifah dummy for a second there.
1: We do. They, they do an autopsy on her, which involves
0: pulling jellyfish out of her face. And then Sharon Stone <sighs> makes a huge discovery during this. What? That, that jellyfish isn't God's creation. Some, you something about you'd that. expect to hear from a scientist. Sam Jackson has slept through the murder of, of Queen Latifa, awakens, mm-hmm. and is thrilled for breakfast time. You can't wait yeah. to eat.
1: And that's where this alien scene comes in. I feel like it's very set up like the John Hurt uh, you know, classic shot where in Sam Jackson, so you know, you, you just have a feeling something bad's gonna happen. You know, Sam Jackson's already kind of acting weird, too excited to be have been ingested by this sphere and spat back out, won't tell everybody what he saw on there. Everybody's curious. And he's eating. He's eating. He's going nuts. Him and, he's he's like going he's... over
0: every ingredient that Dustin Hoffman used in there, like
1: tarragon and shit like that. For some reason, Dustin Hoffman says, hey, he gives hands him a plate, and Sam Jackson said, oh, this onion rings. I love onion rings with my eggs or something. You know, like He's so thrilled that they're onion rings. He pops one in his mouth. Dustin Hoffman says, no, no, that's, that's calamari. And he starts to have – like it looks like he's about to burst. Like he's he freaks out. Looks like something's going to happen. Like he is – that it's gonna kill him. And so then old Liv does the Heimlich. And you're like, what's gonna happen? Is he gonna explode? Is it gonna turn into a creature? Is Leave is gonna get impaled by some barnacles shooting out his back or something? No. Clears his he, throat. Gets rid of the machines he, in there. He's saying like he doesn't like uh, he doesn't like uh squid. End of scene. He doesn't like End of scene. No, it does set up something later on, but I'm just saying that there it's just a, kind
0: of a letdown then like Squid. but then the the opposite of a letdown happens because this movie once again many many millions of dollars spent huge adaptation they probably spent a fortune for the rights so we get to meet the big bad and what is the big bad's name in this movie jerry <laughs> so they start to speak to the alien presence and it reveals that his name is jerry and it talks like it's speaking in a dr seuss book or a children's book or whatever and it's, i got to admit—it's—it's kind of cute for a minute, but its name is Jerry, and it gets goes cute to being pretty shitty quick. Yeah, they cut the stone face when it reveals its
1: name is Jerry, and she overplays it, and she looks horrified. <laughs> like it's not the right reaction. Dustin Hoffman's got the right reaction. He looks stone, like he looks dumbfounded. And then someone says the alien sounds like an idiot, and alien the the don't like then, that. You know, you know. And then someone reveals that it sounds like it's talking to children. That's why it sounds like it's an idiot. Like they're so far beneath its it's you know it's level um anyway so all that happens i think it's dustin hoffman he says i come in peace i always wanted to say that i think it was uh that's uh no. Lee says that
0: yeah so ted who is of schreiber's character does a lot of the heavy lifting there he's kind of doing a lot of the science talk he's doing a lot of the mumbo jumbo and he's also kind of the only person in the film that seems to be enjoying themselves seems to be trying to make the material work and he's rewarded. Yeah. He's
1: rewarded for that. So then it's about Levinson checks his watch and he's like, you know, it's time for another crew member to get killed so we can really ratchet up the tension in this bad boy. He sends a, another character outside that you don't care about, or you don't know this. She just kind of out there Stone and, and Dustin Hoffman uh, stumble upon her pulverized, she had weird body.
0: weird teeth. I remember that she had weird teeth.
1: And they look in her, you know, stone clutches her, but she's like kind of just boneless And they show her foot and it's got like this pink weird stuff coming out of it. She's a mess. She's done. She goes, this is like Jennifer Connelly from Mulholland in this. And Levinson's like, fuck man, you know, the sea is working but I need something just to crush it. I'm going to drop some sea eggs on everybody. I'm going to drop loads and loads of sea eggs from like a, a giant squid. Yeah, this that you can't giant. See. There's giant shape showing up on the sonar, and they're you know, and they're they like, you know, what if we we'll get a giant squid in here that they they have to run from? And he's like, what if it's giving birth? What if it's them? dropping eggs? Well, as long as we get to see this creature at some point, he's like, well, we're just going to show you eggs. And how many eggs you want, Barry? Should we get like you know twenty? I, I, no, thousands. Thirty? They look. We're going to just fill that screen with sea eggs. And I want Dusty. I want. Sharon Stone to be just running through these these eggs,
0: terrifying. And terrifying. They're, and and then, they're like um, Mr. Levinson, how many of these eggs would it take to actually cause a threat? And Levinson does some quick calculations. Well, if there was enough eggs to fill the entire sea, a hundred percent of the sea, and then something sat on that, it would maybe hurt them. <laughs> so
1: you know, an alien they used the eggs to quite an effect. You know, these eggs they, they birthed some some bad boys, man, and they and they. And they pounce upon a face. You know what these eggs do? Zero. They don't do anything. They just drop. They bounce gently off of things. I think at one point, like someone, I think someone steps on one of them, and like a little tiny squid pops out. That's it. Those the, those things don't factor. It's just raining eggs. How about to throw eggs at Barry Levinson for this scene? I'm about to egg his house. I like the fact that he he thinks first of all. You, you think you think anybody ever egged his house, and he was like Been there. True fan out there. So no, he's like someone's uh, complimenting my work here. Yeah, one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, he did this kind of shit in the bay. That's what I'm talking about. You know, what I'm saying like this is the kind of the terrifying stuff that he was coming up with in the bay that just just falls flat, it doesn't work. But
0: things aren't going well. This giant squid shape kind of threatens the facility. There, there's mm-hmm. some concerns. They start to have some instability there. Things start to go bad. Mm-hmm. They have to they have to th- run around this place getting wet, getting weird. Do- doors are shut and electricity's happening ain't good
1: yeah there's there's a gigantic squid squid outside or some kind of thing they don't know what it is it's it's huge it's causing the ship integrity to fail they got to do some stuff they got to pull some levers they got to twist some knobs they got to save the ship all sorts sure. of terrible stuff and, and
0: Levinson once again realizes we have too many people in this movie
1: Peter Coyote shouting at Dustin Hoffman to turn some stuff leave live Schreiber's hurt does that and then Peter Coyote is like okay now the ship's on fire I guess it's time for me to die is that And so he, yeah, he
0: gets cut in half by a door. Yeah, he doesn't enjoy the door. And then Liev Schreiber is heroic, and then he is a piece of metal grating falls on him, and you're like, oh, good, he's okay. And then from beneath, fire launches up and cooks, roasts him,
1: cooks him. But here's the thing: he Dustin Hoffman was also knocked out in that scene, and but not completely unconscious. Liev Schreiber is pinned to the floor. But, you know, in, in, in certainly some broken bones, probably trapped and this fire is about to consume him. And he tells Norman, he shouts for Norman to get out of the room because he doesn't want his friend to get hurt as, before he dies. He, he, he actually pulls a hero move in this. Dustin Hoffman, of course, doesn't even have an eyebrow singed from this scene. And he later reveals that he could have helped his friend, but he panicked. Yeah, of course, during all of this, Samuel L. Jackson is enjoying a novel. It's a, it's a rare, it's one of the, it's a subtle novel yeah. that has nothing to do with. No, but that's the whole thing is this novel, part of what this movie starts to tell you is these people influenced by the sphere are conjuring their worst fears uh, to life or they're, they're manifesting them. And Sam Jackson is a uh, reading 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and he's always been terrified of that book and can't get past a certain part with a gigantic squid. Right. The movie starts to hit insane levels around this part. Like it,
0: it's just bad. Well, I point, do love I it because they go back to Jerry after this fiasco and Jerry is mm-hmm. really grumpy that um, some of the people aren't there anymore. And then he, he, he says, bring back the entity Ted. <laughs> I thought was adorable. Is very cute. He was humorous. It says he likes, he even likes uh, a yeah, lead. Like, right. Bring back the entity Ted, which is sort of like, you will not be saved by the god Plutonium from Prince of Darkness. It's got a similar timber to it. But then we get some more action sequences with our with our little uh, a little cute guy, little Dustin.
1: Well, I want to say this. I want to put a pause because you you mentioned this great Jerry saying bring back the entity Ted. He was humorous, and you know Dustin Hoffman saying he was dead is dead. I can't bring him back. But he gets it. This is I don't know really understand if this is the alien talking or if this is just you can tell me. Is it the alien or is it Sam Jackson's dreams pretending to be an alien through the computer? There is what, no which alien. One is it? It's it's Sam Jackson. Yeah, it's Sam Jackson, right? Or so, it could be no, it could be any it, one of them at this point. Sharon yeah. Stone, it could be, yeah. So whatever's happening,
0: he's getting a posthumous review here. He's getting
1: a little bit of compliments yep. from whatever's happening. Yeah. Because
0: he never says bring back the entity Peter Coyote, not once. <laughs> Did you like, it also says, did you like the giant squid? Yes. <laughs> well, it killed two people. Yeah, he doesn't I
1: love it. Then he says, stop calling me Jerry. That's what he writes on this little screen. And there, I told Nick at the time, I was surprised that they played ominous music
0: over there. Well, the funny thing is, is, he says to stop calling me Jerry. They play ominous music. And then our hero pro- proceeds to say, Jerry, Jerry, over and over again at Static. Dustin, once again, yeah. Dustin Hoffman was beside himself. He, he had his his mind left his body. He's looking at himself from the ceiling at his acting, yelling at a screen saying Jerry over and over again. It's insane. Yeah. And then he's
1: then, then Dustin Hoffman, it goes out to reset the mini. And stuff. what ha-
0: He gets attacked <laughs> by
1: some cuties. He gets attacked by some sea snake, a sea snake. And he just can't. Well, he gets attacked by like he's...
0: deep sea fish as well. Like little jaw, little angler fish with little cute snapping jaws. And he says his reaction as he falls to the
1: sandy sea floor. He says, "Oh!" <laughs> <laughs> and then Sharon Stone does does the best. Like so, she's supposed to be watching him. She's supposed to be watching Dustin Hoff make sure nothing happens to him. She's not. And so, you know, Dust Hoffman's struggling under the sea, he's struggling in the waters. He's freaking out, doesn't know where things are. And Sam Jackson, he can't see. There's bubbles in his suit. He thinks he's dying. He's screaming Jackson's ass off yeah. like in his own way. There's supposed to be bubbles. And Sam Jackson directs him back to the ship. And then he's mad that Sharon Stone wasn't there. He's like, You're supposed to have my back. And they realize that Sharon Stone's on her way to the alien, to, you know, to get a second look at well, the Well, no, she's
0: got the best excuse that she's going over there. She's going to get the food. She's, she's got to go get some, some 300 food.
1: year old food. So they don't understand why her she changed her mission, but the best she does this. So Dustoff is trying to entice her to come back to the ship. He's like, "Look, come back. I'll meet you in the kitchen. I'll make you coffee." And she goes, "She goes, I'll
0: take mine black, like my mood." Oh, and it's such a bad, it's such a bad delivery, too. She sounded like a net bending when she said that for some reason. I don't blame her though for delivering that line that way. Is there any way to deliver it well? That's true. At that point, Hoffman is trying to prove that there's plenty of food on the sub or on the on the unit there. And all of a sudden, everywhere he looks is copies of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Well, first, yeah,
1: before this, Sharon, there's a big accusal in the kitchen. There's a big scene where they're trying to figure out why Sharon Stone would go back to the ship to get food. When, in fact, the kitchen is just stocked with food. She starts opening drawers, seeing all this food. She can't believe it. She goes, the it was, it was just barren before. And it's, you know, it's the, one of those things I think a lot of people were excited about. The accuse her of there actually being food in the kitchen plot line. Yep. Remember, that was a yeah. big that was a big marketing thing. Yeah, they made shirts for and the crew. She says, look, Sam Jackson, he hid the food from me. Harry hid the food from me. And Dustin Hoffman, Hoffman was like, no way he would ever hit, hide the food. This scene goes on for 10 minutes. <laughs> and the best part is the audience knows that she's right <laughs> the whole time. They wouldn't just bring this up because... Food. Either she's hallucinating, the aliens causing this, or or Sam and Sam Jackson's in the scene with this Cheshire cat like grin, like he's like telling you that yeah, I hid that damn food. You know, I give I give
0: the filmmakers and the cast credit; they made me do mm-hmm. something I never thought I'd do, and that is root for water pressure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Sharon Stone is planting explosives outside, or she's. And what kind of explosives explosive. are they? They're called the Panther Explosives, <laughs> which I thought was adorable. You know you got to blow this shit up it's about time. We didn't talk much about the look of their like C-station, which does look like a dick and balls. <laughs> Did you notice that? Did you notice? No. It just get a good look rewind if you could if you can if you can stomach it. Their C-station does look like genitalia to me, which kind of jives with what you're saying. There there are some kind of like uh, wink wink nod nod like little jokes
0: in this. That's a super zoom. <laughs> That's what we're here for. By the way, William L. Peterson had a super fit when um, he got contacted by James Foley. He's like, he's like, what are we doing? He goes, sphere. And he he thought he said, he thought it was this, but he talks too fast. James Foley. This is my joke was,
1: I was going to ask you what Mark Wahlberg's favorite best movie is. And I was going to say, sphere,
0: sphere, sphere. (laughs) That was my joke I had, but
1: I like how we think the same.
0: No, what I like is like, so we, we watched, we both watch this film in bites over the course of a couple of days. And then, you know, we were texting back and forth and Justin sent me a text that made me very happy. <laughs> What'd you tell me this movie was?
1: I said, this movie's longer than jail. <laughs> this movie is two hours and like 20 minutes or is it even longer than that? It's longer than The Empty Man. I mean, it's just like rivals The Swarm in its length. It makes me even appreciate The Empty Man more. You know, after watching these back to back sphere, yeah. and you know, let, let's just take a pause. Like, so you know, we've been doing this podcast for a while. Why sphere? What, why do we think we did it? Is it, is it because we're hurting ourselves? Is it a punishment? Um, what, what, what intrigued you to, to do we're sphere? Do, like, did you want to watch? We're or doing, doing every film,
0: I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it was, on a, it was on a streaming service and it's so on brand for us. I mean, it's got it it's, is, it's. it's got all the all the makings it,
1: let's talk about underwater horror okay we did actually did underwater which is a hundred times better than this with kristen stewart you mentioned the abyss which is amazing i think it's a great movie leviathan deep star deep six rising. what are some other this doesn't really count but what's the one we did that with uh the ship and connie nielsen sea fever oh, yeah. that's more yeah. of just speaking on, of
0: i watched into the blue this week i did watch that with uh, paul walker yeah yeah i lo- i've always liked that movie and, and it's god it's a sexy movie so a lot of, a lot of really. Oh yeah, it's Paul Walker and Jessica and, Alba uh, right? and like, uh, yeah, Ashley beautiful. Scott, and Scott Con, Josh Brolin. Brolin's, Brolin's great so, movie. Remember that was so like good.
1: that was kind of his comeback movie. Remember? Didn't then they do that before um, No Country? It was before No Country. Yeah, and he is great in that movie. Like he's kind of like a very. He
0: is like, great like, in literally guy. every movie. Night Watch, yeah. baby. That's such a horny movie. I didn't realize. But anyway, um. Well, they're in like very small swimsuits all all the and there's a cast, lot right? of, of like gratuitous right up the butt shots of ashley scott and uh jessica alba and plenty of of eye candy of scott con and uh and paul walker as well it's definitely an equal opportunity thing who
1: directed it is uh, john stockwell uh, stockwell from um christine
0: yep. is he still cool john stockwell weirdly did like a
1: bunch of like aquatic crush blue crush set he did blue yeah, he did. He did some other. He did. He also did that weird movie that had a sequel with Paz Vega. We did it. We actually did talk about it before. We both watched it. He did a crazy beautiful Teristas. <laughs> we have to do Taristas. That's incredible. Oh, he did Cat Run. That's the movie I've never talking heard of it. About. it. Actually, a weird movie that's not good that got a sequel, and then Paz Vega didn't come back for the sequel. Oh my god, how do I know this stuff? It's it's just it's just such a sad sad waste
0: that yeah, i know it going back to this great movie there's a scene like so dustin Hoffman is terrified of sea snakes and there's is. a scene where everything's going bad the place is about to blow up nobody trusts anybody this is this is very hard to watch because it's manic it's annoying and nobody's doing mm-hmm. you any favors right but it's funny because he's he's in the bottom of the ocean in the abyssal deep and sharon stone tries to reassure him in saying that the sea snakes only come out at night in the bottom of the sea She's-
1: well, so yeah, so that's what she said. They're in a turn. So she, he's panicking on the kitchen floor, wherever he is. And it's, there's two snakes that, that just go up as one of them goes up his leg. I think there's two, at there's least two. one, and it's all over him. He's writhing around the ground, screaming. And she walks in, cool as a cucumber, as a sea cucumber, and says, just so cool, coldly, that don't worry. She grabs them. Remember yeah. she grabs, I think there she, are, puts she, puts grabs him him, she, goes, she says they're not, they're only poisonous at night. They're nocturnal or some, some dumb shit like that. It doesn't make any sense. And so then they, then what it, so that happens weird. And then they put Sam Jackson to sleep because they realize he's maybe manifesting some of the shit. And so they put him, they, they drug him. They, they put a needle in his butt and then Sharon. So decides to trick Dustin Hoffman and do the same thing. And she traps him in like a space and starts filling up with water. I, what happened, what's really going on? Tough to watch. And then he's supposed to plunge a syringe in himself, put himself. He, he does to sleep, scream he, an
0: awful lot, though, so you get your money's worth there at least. And then there's he's isn't there sea snakes involved in that yeah, scene and then too? We, so he starts yeah, them, but then they realize they've got they've all got to get to this submersible. They got to team up, this shit squared away. They got to escape, and uh, and then we get a, a return appearance from one of the earlier members of the crew.
1: Peter Cody is. Um, Sharon Stone runs into half of him, looking all bloated from the water and dead. Poor guy. And she screams. You know, it's another little uh, Barry Levinson spice he's throwing right. onto the movie there. A little, little shock to the audience that uh, I don't know if they're still there at that point. Are they there? We yeah, were killing it. You know, Dustin Hoffman. Several sea snake freakouts in this, and those sea snakes might be the cutest things in this film. They are adorable. And uh, I did. I was rooting for them a little bit. Certainly more energetic than Dustin Hoffman. There was a piece of trivia that said like the sea snake was like designed by someone from like one of the people in Lincoln Park. <laughs> I mean, it says IMDb. I don't know if this is all verified, but I mean, it's, IMDb also said that Levinson toyed with the idea of having Huey Lewis and Queen Latifah sing a duet over the credits.
0: Can you imagine that joy? <laughs>
1: I hope so. I wish. What if they sang one of those songs that like detailed everything in the movie?
0: Or like know? if they were each singing from the perspective of one of the snakes? <laughs> I'm chasing Dustin. I'm chasing Dustin too.
1: Gonna bite his silly little fucking
0: head. I don't know any of any of her songs.
1: She's a song called Unity. She's a, one of her big songs. Was like a song called U N I T Y Unity. And then one of his songs, of course, is I Want a New Drug. That's a big one for him. It's Hip to Be Square, which is, is the opposite of what the Sphere would
0: appreciate. It's almost like an. It's like almost it's like a hip. diss track.
1: That'd be great if he, if they switched the lyrics. It's hip to be sphere. <laughs> I sounded like them a little bit. Hip to be, how was that a hit? Hip to be square. Huge roller skating song, I imagine, back in the day. One of the things that they said the audience, test audiences didn't like, is that they rose too quickly from the bottom of the ocean, the, 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 the survivors, and then, and survived. They didn't like I think the movie says if you rise too quick, I think that's what happens, yeah. right? You you get the die. bends and
0: leave the the
1: world, right? And so they they said test audience didn't like that that the, they that they had to slow that process down. I don't know what happened, but they they said they didn't like the fact that they rose too quickly to the to top side. And I was like, there's no way anybody would have cared. Like, there's no way. <laughs> Who? <laughs> First of all, who's, <laughs> that's who's that? The- who's
0: asking for more who's
1: asking for more this movie needed to be longer here's my big problem i would have said is that the heroes decide at the end of the movie the way that they're gonna win is they're gonna forget they're forget like they all said let's forget the sphere they join hands and they say let's forget and they do and they and then the sphere leaves
0: the actors have kept that vow by the way
1: That's the that's the end. They're in a, like a depressurization room waiting to be interrogated by the government. And they said they're worried that in the future this will happen. And, you know, they're supposed to be dead. They, they, they realized that there was I don't know what what's
0: going well, on. Sam Jackson, end, Jackson decided, says early on that they should die yeah. because if they didn't die, then, then they wouldn't have had that unknown event because they would have known it was coming. I guess they decide that they still need to have the unknown event
1: for some reason. So they decide there will they will forget the events of the film. They will forget what happened. They will forget the sphere. They do it. They say, let's think, let's manifest our forgetfulness. I don't know what. It works. And then the sphere decides to launch itself from the bottom of the ocean floor straight up back to space. It's out of here. It's one weakness getting forgotten. Is that in the book? I don't remember. I don't remember that.
0: I remember the book being
1: good. It's like the equivalent of like Nightmare on Elm Street 2 when the main character is like, you're not real. And then, then Freddy dies. It's like the sphere took its toys and left. <laughs> they forget. That's the big moment at the end. I mean, that's one of the worst. I mean, this ending, this movie couldn't have had a good ending, but wow, they really took the cake with that. I
0: mean, Event Horizon they have a has around. a sphere in it and, and space and rocks it.
1: Who's in Event Lawrence Horizon? Lawrence Fishburne, oh, Samuel, right. Neil. That's right. Jack Kathleen Quinlan. I know who's in it. I'm just getting to the best first. He has a rough go in that movie. He does. He enjoys it. He lives. He yeah. doesn't explode. What's her face? Joel Richardson's in it. What, what's the Jason British actor? Isaacs. Jason Isaacs, Sean Pertwee. Seen so. It?
0: Yeah, so this movie rocked it. It's it's mind bending, unforgettable, and uh, they all completely nailed it. They forgot. They did have subtitles that Sphere is
1: speaking in an alien language. And it says as it's zooming into space, it says, um, "Well, if you're gonna forget, I'm out. If that's if that's what you guys are gonna do, I'm leaving. I'm going back. Like what? Why, Nick? I don't understand. That sphere was a Karen. Forgetting's the weapon. I wonder if one of the sea snakes attached its little little fangs to the sphere and got a little trip to space as well. And then the
0: sphere like put like a little protective shield around it. Yeah, so it doesn't die." I think it, it even it worse. Is the poor sea snakes are watching this orb float away, and they're like somehow a, a tear forming, even though they're underwater, a tiny tear forming on them as they watch their celestial godmother leave the leave the world. No, I thought you were talking about this. I thought you are talking about a sphere with a tear. <laughs> I mixed, I messed up. I th- okay, you got it wrong. Actually, Billy Joe Armstrong designed all the creatures. <laughs> <laughs> So look, you are in a, a submersible tattoo parlor. He's got that little beacon tied up to a tube. It's, it's shooting jets of ink into you just like a squid. And it's time to decide what you want to carry on from this film into your bod. Yeah, tattoo sphere. I mean,
1: there's got to be somebody out there. Maybe Levinson. Maybe the cast. They, got they all got, they all tattoo got tattoos. It's <laughs> like in, in, uh, in cursive spheres in the eye of the beholder, maybe. Just like the Lord of the Rings crew. Maybe they did the same thing, you know. This movie 1998. Not that old, Nick.
0: I thought it was older. It should have for been for some reason. If yeah. they made it in the eighties, it would have been special. Well, I'm gonna get the dick and balls, I guess. I get the dick and ball spaceship. You mean the the,
1: the 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 underground lab, underground sea yeah. station.
0: I, I, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the dick and balls sea station, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, what do they call those? Sea labs? Uh a underwater rig? I don't know. A rig, yeah, they're always calling it a rig, you're right. So I'm gonna get that rig right on my uh my forearm, you know, the ace up my sleeve. Uh, And they'll be like, I'll be like, uh, you want to see something cool? I'll rip it out. And they'll be like, God, that's disgusting. Uh, It's pornographic. And I was like, look closer. And there's a little tiny Dustin Hoffman walking on the ground. They're like, you got me again, sweet ass.
1: Well, I'm sticking with my original idea. I'm going to get the upper half of Peter Coyote's uh, severed body on my uh, shoulder. And then for for every once in a while, I'll I'll give myself a little treat and get some stick on legs and put them on there. And, you know, and not just human legs, but I would I would do, like, uh, you know, an elephant's legs. Right.
0: Just something like that. You know, just kind of make it cute. Well, this is a time. I- a coyote's legs. A coyote's. Yeah. Pa- it's timely. Know. It's 1130. Um, uh, Amazon's deal of the day is stick on legs. You have about 20, 27 minutes to get them. <laughs> sir, Are you telling me I can't. There's no way I can yeah like sticker legs on my you can but you can get there they're they're on deal of the day right now on amazon and and you better hurry before black friday i'm just telling you get some stick on look the film's over and something credits have rolled and golly there's a stinger at the end i did actually stay through the credits to see if there was like a a extended
1: scene or something after the credits (laughs) the filmmakers would like to apologize to the following people hey Um, i just
0: had a curiosity if they listed mm -hmm. in the credits michael crichton's wives how many how many credits would there be Oh God! Did he have a lot of wives. He may. I'm asking.
1: Oh, I don't don't think he had a lot of wives, but I, I know that he was like six foot seven. He's huge. He had five ex wives. Yeah. You know this? He's married five times. Yeah. Yeah. He was a tall motherfucker. That's what I do know about
0: him. That's kind of young, right? 50s, I think, maybe 60s. Yeah, 60s. Yeah, because he wrote under a pseudonym for like two decades, so he's probably he was probably in his 60s. Oh my God! You're right. Yeah,
1: five wives. Eight foot two. <laughs> did you ask about the deleted scene? Singer, yeah. The last shot, I believe, is is the sphere. Zipping into space and then the sphere. And, the, and then they cut to like that event. Remember, like they cut to like some of the space footage and then it's okay. over. So my mid credit scene would be that same group. They're starting to they don't know what's going on. They're just in this room. They're depressurizing. They're getting interrogated. They don't know anything. So then they slide a tray under the door for food and they slide an orange to, uh, to Dustin Hoffman. And he goes, wait, I remembered. And then the sphere just zips back down from space and plunges <laughs> in the water
0: it's pretty great. So mine takes place on the ocean floor. The balance has been restored. You know, the 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 man-made object destroyed. Things are good. Creatures, crabs, little tube worms, sea cucumbers, all those guys are just returning to their habitat. Things are sweet. And then uh, we 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 follow a a uh, zebra fish as it circles the the you know down there and he sees what is that? What's that in the murk I discover? And then 1 billion eggs start to hatch. And, and, wow. and the zoological undersea kingdom is jacked for life. Yeah. And it's just the beginning of the ultimate ultimate mm. giant squids eating everything, sucking up sperm whale death it sets up. It sets up yeah. an interesting sequel. Of, if, if you think about the sea overrun with gigantic squid and man's desire to somehow restore balance in the food chain. And while we're on the subject, you've been tasked with the sequel for Sphere. Money's cleared waivers and is waiting. Mine's a, a very stark drama. Huey Lewis was the pilot of a helicopter that crashed, killing every occupant but himself. And he's crestfallen. He's lost the love of the sky. He's had to take odd jobs to make ends meet. He was a bagger at a grocery store. Things just have gone awful for him. But he remembers uh, the better a better time when he was a part of some pretty swank-ass secret operations and who stumbles into his fresh market but Dustin Hoffman? And he's delighted. He's like, this, is a, this, is a, this harkens back to my past. This psychologist is used to dealing with grief. I'm going to bend his ear and see if maybe he can help me get my life back on the straight and narrow. And he goes, uh, Norman. And Dustin Hoffman looks at him and goes, I've forgotten all about you. And he Lewis kills himself.
1: That <laughs> <laughs> oh, sounds better than this one. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like what could it be? What could it be? A good one? Like a sequel to this. I mean, they find a square. So they get it's it's the crew returns. They don't remember that they went. They went down in the ocean before. They didn't, they know they were there, they don't know why they were there, they can't remember. And there's a ship there. Yeah, there's a ship down there with a huge gigantic square in it. It's called square the movie's called Square. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, and they walk into that to start this movie, I, I mean, did Crichton ever write a sequel to? It? Like, was it a huge hit? The, was book, the book was book? a huge hit, yeah. And it, the book has to make a little bit more sense. It does. It was. No, it was. It was
0: at the time, I was young and heavily influenced by what I read, but it blew me away. Mm-hmm. It's like very eerie. I imagine. And... I just, it just, you know, actually, it was. It, it just felt mind opening. It felt like this really special. You know, because he had a way. Like he was such a good populist writer. That he did such a great job of taking. Scientific stuff and these big, these big kind of concept ideas and turning them to something pretty engaging. And I thought Sphere was like one of those things that was a big idea, but it was palatable science fiction. So it wasn't like an Asimov or something where it was a little bit of gobbledygook. Very easy to get into. You felt smart, didn't he write Disclosure? Of course too? he did. And he wrote so, yeah, Next, I mean, and he sometimes... wrote Micro, and he wrote Dragon Teeth, and he wrote. He directed Westworld. Did he direct the sequel or the first one? The original. Did he really? Crichton? Yeah.
1: No, but he was like such a hit and miss Like, disclosure is such a bad idea. Like, it's just like, what if the, what if a man was sexually, remember, like, what if the man was sexually harassed? That was his idea. I'm going to write a mm-hmm. book on here about it. I mean, it's just like, you know, Rising Sun was a bad, like a bad book by him,
0: I thought. Too. I was, for, I remember the first day when it came out, I was at the bookstore oh, getting so excited. I remember the pages were that, you know, when those books that have the pages where they're each page is at a mm-hmm. different length coming out. So it looks like yeah. kind of, yeah, 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 it was one of them. I'm a sucker, yeah. man. I was a sucker well, for everything
1: he did. Like I said, I, I loved In drama Strain. I thought Jurassic Park was Pirate great. Latitudes. Yeah, Airframe.
0: Timeline. Oh, that was, he did Timeline. That was like one of his last ones. So was Airframe, yeah. right? I think Micro and Next were posthumous, and I know Dragon Teeth was, and Pirate Latitudes. Was Dragon Teeth fantasy? Dragon Teeth was like sort of a Jurassic part. It was like about like a, a war between paleontologists, like them trying to fight over a discovery or something like that. And he did, last, he did write Lost World. Right. Yeah, but it's nothing Great. like the movie. Was, was the book better? It's different. It had, it, had a, it had a different protagonist. I don't think any of the characters from the original were in it, except for the dinosaurs. Malcolm was in it, I think. You've been given the financing to have your own business related to Sphere. Money is... Wet liquid as fuck. I'm I'm killing it. I'm I've I've got um, a food truck. It's called Sphere. 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 Mm-hmm. It's a round truck, and it pulls into you know breweries. And uh, our big hook is we only serve three hundred year old food. So it's it's taken a while to get this thing off the ground. But finally, everything's aged to perfection. Today's specials at the food truck Sphere. Sphere, 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 Sphere. I have a three hundred year old gordita. Got a three hundred eleven year old crunch wrap. Taste it. You know, I've got a three three hundred seventeen year old funyun. I have a star crunch from about four hundred years ago, and people are just shitting themselves. Honestly, all I do is I spray a little hair on them. I run through the kitchen with a fire extinguisher, shooting the ceiling, and let the sediment go down, make it look aged. You just pulled up. When, when will the food be ready? And and you and you slip. You say the chef is shooting the ceiling with a fire extinguisher. He'll be will <laughs> be ready in a minute. People do like to eat old food. Yeah, I mean heirloom tomatoes and uh, plantains. You know, get them nice and ripen. What
1: are old? Like what are some old food people do like to eat? Like, heirloom tomatoes are not old food. They just seem like uh, they are, raisins, <laughs> cheese. Would you be one of the rare food trucks that would just like would serve like a bowl full of raisins to yeah. people? Oh, they got raisins on the menu. Yeah. I would do a, a show, I think. Um, I'd create a show. Like, do you ever watch that Penn & Teller? Bullshit. Full uh, Us. Bullshit, I don't know that one. They have like a full Us show where magicians will go on and they'll do like right. a trick, I've, right? Like amateur magicians and Penn and Teller are watching the trick. And then afterwards they have to decide if they can figure out the trick that they were shown. And it's called fool us because if they can't figure it out, then the person wins a prize or they win a trophy. And it's rare. Cause you know, Penn and Teller are very, they're very good and very uh, well-versed and practiced m- m- magicians. They, they know everything. They've seen it all, mm-hmm. Nick, especially card tricks. And, but sometimes they can't figure it out. And I would do the same thing. I don't know if I get Penn and Teller, but, you know, they might be up for it. Penn and Teller, Full Us, Sphere Edition. And so then they would be sitting there in judgment as people came onto the stage and they try to figure out if the people had seen the movie Sphere or not from the way that they're right. talking. This could be good. And so then, you know, you have to go up there and bullshit about the movie Sphere. And the thing is, like, it's that would be a tough thing because even if you'd seen this movie, you might not be able to describe right. what happens in it, Right. I don't think we've done a particularly great job. Mm-hmm. You don't seem very impressed by I like the idea, idea of but... it
0: being a celebrity edition, though. It's like, what does what Cameron Mannheim think of it? Like, you know, what is, has she seen Sphere? Dave what Coulier. does Bob Ostertag think of Sphere? Does he, has he seen it? <laughs> Thomas Schlamy, Have you seen Sphere? Please welcome John Stamos to the
1: stage. Yeah. He's talking Sphere tonight. Newly married, John Stamos, uh, subs... Uh, Hit skins for the Beach Boys sometimes. Season two season scrub. two's champion
0: Brenda Bleden's back as a guest judge. <laughs> we got Pete Postlethwaite Jr. here.
1: <laughs> the sports the sports of they you yeah. know the, the episode of the sports stars, Burt Blylevin <laughs> strutting out prior IP by the way.
0: He he left us recently. I don't know, but I'm just, I think he's still, still
1: one of the, one of the best names of all time.
0: He should have married time. Brenda Blethyn. That's why. That's yeah. why he reminded me. Burke Breathe, too. all right. So, look, uh, you are in the film. You've been interwoven into the fabric of of sphere. What role does your shape change? <laughs> if I am in yeah. sphere, there was in the book. There was another character.
1: I yeah, really an anthropologist. That I, that. I think. I know how he gets destroyed by the manifestations?
0: No, he he has to turn around. Like he doesn't make it to the facility. He has a, a sphere yeah, worthy. Exactly. Do they ever try to say that the sphere is one of God's balls? No. <laughs> Ask that question with a straight face. <laughs> I'm loaded. I'm loaded. I ha- yeah. I am a publisher right on the coastline and I have an army of speedboats and a diving bell and I am half printing Numerous copies of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And I am printing them faster than they could send me transfers of money. Rocketing those bitches to the ocean floor just in time. Thousands of copies of, the, of this have half this book I've been printing. And I am loaded out. Tor Forge, go fuck yourself. Bantam, eat a dick. Double Day, suck my fucking back pocket. Viking, go fuck yourself. I'm killing it. Penguin Classics, eat my shithole. Loaded out. Yeah. Uh, my character, I'm a huge
1: Britney a spears fan and i've heard that there's a huge concert under the water <laughs> i mistakenly take a wrong turn under the sea to hear her latest and the good news is i walk into the sphere and i manifest her so i can I'm, i think i i man, as as everybody's dodging sea snakes and jellyfish britney spears on spears on board britney spears
0: britney spears is on board you know singing her hits my friend britney spears what do you mean? You know my Britney Spears story? I don't. You no, no. Her? I was in Los Angeles. It was one of my periods where I stayed in Los Angeles for a period of time. And I was at a Sam Ash music store. And I was shopping for a keyboard. The keyboard I actually still use and still have. And I was there. And then the the clerk tried to get me to leave. And I, and I was looking at this like $3,000 keyboard. And I was like, man, I'm knee deep in this thing. We've been kind of going over it. He's like, all right, okay, cool. Can you just chill? They locked the door. And Hilary mm. Duff and Britney Spears are in there with me. Literally, we are the only three customers in the store. And Britney Spears, I don't know if she had a kid or whatever. She was looking at a child's piano, like this little child's piano. She was buying it for some reason. And so I, she saw me there with tinkering around with this keyboard, and she asked my advice. And I helped Britney Spears and Hilary Duff pick out a child piano.
1: Maybe they were buying for Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> Yep. that's awesome so they did they buy one did they, they did they did buy bikes? one and
0: they were very nice and i think uh first of all i wasn't starstruck because i don't typically get starstruck unless it's you know reginald vel johnson and they were they, you know i was just a regular guy and they were just being regular people and it was cool all right, let me ask you a question uh-huh yeah i saw her navel how was Hil- how was hillary looking <laughs>
1: swank <laughs> come on looking duff in this Hillary looking deaf. Um, I didn't know you never told me the story, I don't think. I don't remember. I thought I it. told
0: it on the old on the old show, but maybe not. But that happened. That really it. happened. That was pretty cool. Did you you didn't end up buying No, the I ended keyboard, up dating I both imagine. of them though. It was cool. No. Yeah, no, I, I ended up buying my I bought my keyboard there and mm-hmm. they had it um they had it delivered to me. It, it was that much money. It was, it's it was a the, the Korg Triton Extreme. Very it's an eighty eight key monstrosity. Yeah, I still 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 use it. And, you still use it? Did, did you get Hillary Duff's autograph no, on it? No. No? I will tell you that uh, in person, I, she was more stunning. Who? Uh, Hillary Duff. Yeah, they're both very, they're both very pretty. Were they in the movie Crossroads together? I have is no that idea. why they were? No, that was Ralph Crossroads Oh, my fault. And Joe Seneca. I think you get a lot of people confuse them with Hillary Duff and Britney Spears. So, uh, look, you're floating at sea above the sphere on this island. You've collected debris from movies for all these many years, and now it's time for you to select something for Barry Levinson's magnum opus, Sphere. What do you take with you to that island? I mean, I'm going to take the helium voice. <laughs> it's adorable.
1: Yeah, I'm going to walk around my island speaking in a helium voice. You know, just turn it on every once in a while. I don't know. Do I need the room or can I just take, the, take voice? the voice? I'll take the
0: voice. And it's for you? Yeah, it's for me. My personal helium voice. We're not going to follow for banana tailpipe. That you just walk around doing quotes and shit like that. Yeah, I just I just try it out and try to say cute things to it. Uh, like, it. what are some of the things you would say? Such a good question. Like, if you had helium in you right now, what would you say?
1: What's Nick having on this island? <laughs> I can't do that. I didn't that know you
0: endless. had Lawrence Kasdan with you.
1: <laughs> That's actually not a bad Lawrence Kasdan. <laughs> I backed into it by yeah. mistake. Yeah, I would take that. I mean, it's hard to to f- figure out something to take from this movie that won't necessarily remind you of the movie. That's what the goal is for me because you don't want to be thinking about Sphere on that island. It's already it's hard tough disagree. enough. <laughs> What did the uh, OS, what were they? they It was some organization that was so secret, right? OSSO or something. Do you know what it stand for? Stood for? The OSSA.
0: Oh shit, Sphere again? (laughs) Owning Sharon Stone's ass. (laughs) It's incredible
1: that she's trying to get romantic with Dustin Hoffman at the end. Yeah. She kisses him. She goes in for a kiss, for no reason. There's, there's, there's no reason
0: that she would be attracted to him. At and the and end. they asked her, and the interviewer on the set, it's like, "Did you get any cardio today?" She goes, "Well, I bent over to kiss Dustin Hoffman today." All right. What about you? I've Who got you Peter take? Coyote's upper torso impaled on an electric sibian. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Grandpa, they talk about your movie on this podcast. You should listen. (laughs)